What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride. It's Friday, so we're going over the news, injury report, and answering your questions about the Las Vegas Raiders. Reminder, to submit your questions, either tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. That's at mholder on Twitter or sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. The Raiders have a huge game against the Cincinnati Bengals this week as both teams sit at 5-4 and four and are looking to bounce back after back-to-back losses and get back in the playoff picture. So without further ado, let's get you ready for game day. As always, we'll kick things off with our biggest news stories of the week, and luckily, there wasn't too much going on, which is a nice change of pace for over the last couple of months, but we do have one quick Gruden update to go over. Last Friday, a report came out that former Raiders head coach John Gruden is suing the NFL and Roger Goodell, claiming the league and commissioner sought to destroy his career and reputation through a quote-unquote malicious and orchestrated campaign. The campaign was, of course, the email scandal that led to Gruden's resignation back in October. Gruden's attorney, Adam Hosmer-Henner, released a statement to the media saying, John Gruden has filed suit against the National Football League and Commissioner Goodell in the 8th Judicial District Court in Clark County, Nevada. The complaint alleges that the defendants selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job. There was no explanation or justification for why Gruden's emails were the only ones made public out of the 650,000 emails collected in the NFL's investigation of the Washington football team, or for why the emails were held for months before being released in the middle of the Raiders' season. The lawsuit refers to the situation as a Soviet-style character assassination, and Hosmer Henner went on to state that there was no warning in process from the NFL, and the league held the emails for months until they were leaked into the national media in the middle of the Raiders' season to cause maximum damage to Gruden. The NFL responded through a statement for their VP of Communication, Brian McCarthy, claiming that the allegations are entirely meritless and the NFL will vigorously defend against these claims. To win the case, Gruden and his legal team will have to prove that the league and or Goodell were the ones who leaked the emails to the press, and that could be difficult. Per the Athletics' Vic Tafer, Gruden isn't worried about money or anything like that with the lawsuit. He's upset about singling, being singled out in this situation. So, this could force the NFL to release the 650,000 emails and countless other pieces of evidence from the investigation of the Washington football team. Of course, I'll provide you guys with any updates as they become available. If you caught last week's game against the Chiefs, you probably noticed fullback Alec Engel go down and head into the locker room on a cart. The team initially feared that Engel tore his ACL, and unfortunately their fears became a reality on Monday. An MRI confirmed that the fullback did tear his ACL and will be out for the rest of the season. The good news, or silver lining if you will, is it's an isolated tear and there's no other ligament damage, so Engel should be ready to go next season. As far as the rest of this year goes, I expect the Raiders to use more 11 or 12 personnel, meaning one running back and one or two tight ends, and potentially have Foster Moreau play some fullback, which he did in relief of Engel last Sunday. The Raiders did sign fullback Sutton Smith to the practice squad, so he could be an option down the line as well. For those curious, Smith was a sixth-round pick out of Northern Illinois back in 2019. He ended up getting cut by the Steelers, the team that drafted him, and he's been on the Steelers, Jaguars, and Saints practice squads before spending training camp with the New Orleans Saints this year and ultimately landing in Las Vegas. In other injury-related news, guard Richie Incognito suffered another setback in his rehab. This stems from the same calf injury that has kept him out since about midway through training camp. The Raiders had hoped that he'd be back by the Giants game, but obviously, that didn't happen, and now it's officially questionable if he'll play at all this season, so the team will likely roll with John Simpson at left guard for the remaining eight games on the schedule. Incognito turns 39 years old in July and is only on a one-year deal, and it seems like this will be the second year in a row that his season will be cut short, short due to an injury, so I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up marking the end of his 14-year career. 
The one downside to having little to no news stories this week is that most of the news I have to report to you guys is injury-related, and unfortunately, the Raiders placed rookie safety Tyreek Gillespie on injured reserve this week. Gillespie didn't play in the game against the Chiefs, but suffered a hamstring injury during practice. No word on the severity of the injury, but the fourth-round pick will be out for at least three weeks after being put on IR. In a corresponding move, the Raiders promoted linebacker Patrick Owoso from the practice squad to the active roster. Gillespie had primarily played on special teams this year, and that's where Owosu will step in. The linebacker has actually played in two games for the Silver and Black this season, Week 3 against Miami and last week against the Chiefs, collecting a total of 34 snaps on special teams so far this year. In a corresponding move to the corresponding move, Las Vegas added defensive tackle P.J. Johnson to the practice squad. Johnson is somewhat of a local product, having grown up in Sacramento, and he actually started his college career at Sac State before transferring to San Francisco City College and eventually making his way to the University of Arizona. In 2019, he was a seventh-round pick of the Detroit Lions, but was waived at the end of training camp and has bounced around on a few practice squads with the Chargers, Seahawks, and Cardinals, as well as spending a couple of brief stints with the Panthers and Lions again this offseason. Circling back to the safety position, the Raiders did get some good news as Roderick Teamer was designated to return this week. That means the team has three weeks to activate him on the roster, so he should be back in action full-time soon. A couple of other roster transactions for you guys. The Raiders signed wide receiver Tyron Johnson to the practice squad. Johnson was an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State back in 2019, signing with the Houston Texans before getting cut at the end of training camp and landing on the Buffalo Bills practice squad. He would go on to have a few stints on the Texans, Panthers, and Chargers practice squads and was promoted to the Chargers active roster and showed off his 4-3-6 speed with an impressive 44 yards per catch, including a 50-yarder against the Raiders a year ago. However, Johnson was cut by LA at the end of training camp this season, but was claimed off waivers by the Jacksonville Jaguars where he played sparingly. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport did report that the Raiders could call up Johnson to the 53-man roster quickly as a speed threat on the outside is certainly a need right now. In a corresponding move, wide receiver Marcel Aitman was removed from the practice squad. Alright, before we move on to the actual injury report, I'll give you guys a quick break on the injury updates and talk about punter AJ Cole. As I'm sure you saw, one of the Raiders and potentially their only highlight from last Sunday was Cole forcing a fumble on a punt that eventually led to a Raiders touchdown. Cole was asked about the bone-crushing hit in a press conference this week and went on to say that the play gives him more credibility in a long-standing argument that he, kicker Daniel Carlson, and long snapper Trent Seek have gotten into all season about who would win in a street fight between Carlson and Cole. Also, the three of them have argued about who would win in a wrestling match between Cole and Sieg if Sieg had no thumbs, so the punter is happy to have visual evidence to now back up his claims for these arguments. Clips from Poles Presser can be found on our site and on Heidi Fang of the Las Vegas Review Journal's Twitter account, so make sure to go f- check those out because Cole dives into Derek Carr's hair and showed off his pretty funny personality. Alright, back to the injuries. Linebacker Nick Wachowski and cornerback Keyson Nixon haven't practiced all week with foot injuries, and Nixon also has a bum ankle, and it sounds like neither of them will play for the second week in a row. Both players are backups, so Owoso might get more playing time in a pinch, but Nixon's injury could be significant because Brandon Faison was limited on Thursday with finger and hamstring injuries, so we could see a decent amount of Desmond Trufant against the Bengals, as Trufant did take about 10 snaps or so on defense last week against the Chiefs. If you're thinking, what about Amic Robinson? Well, he didn't practice on Wednesday and was limited on Thursday with a hip injury and has been active over the last couple of weeks. Running back Josh Jacobs was also limited this week with a knee injury, but it does seem like he'll play. And fellow running back Jalen Richard didn't practice on Wednesday, but was out there on Thursday in a limited capacity with a ribs injury. Defensive end Yannick Ngakwe was listed on the injury report with a back injury, but he's been a full goal all week. 
Wide receiver Dylan Stoner wasn't listed on the report on Wednesday, but did land on it on Thursday with an Achilles, but was still a full participant in practice, and that'll do it for the Raiders injury report. As for the Bengals injury report, they're coming off a bye, so they're pretty healthy, and the only active player who hasn't participated in practice this week is defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin, but Shelvin has barely played this year, so Cincinnati will pretty much be at full strength on Sunday. Here we go, mailbag time. Reminder, tweet your questions at me, at imholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, at imholder95, or sbpqquestions1 at gmail.com. Question number one, any chance Illuminor or Fluker get a chance at right tackle? Well, Illuminor did play some right tackle, or some tackle at New England, I should say, uh, last year, and he did all right out there. He was uh, solid, nothing, nothing too special. Part of his problem, though, is his feet are too slow, and that was part of the problem at guard. So if you move him out to tackle, that's only going to get worse. That being said, it's not like Brandon Parker's playing great, so maybe he's worth giving a shot. But, I mean, he hasn't played since he got benched at guard, so I'd be surprised if we see him at right tackle. I think he'd still kind of be a liability, kind of be a little bit more of the same. As far as Fluker goes, I mean, he's been on the practice squad for, I feel like, over a month now um, and obviously hasn't been activated, hasn't even been a whole lot of chatter about him being on the practice squad since he even signed or about him being called up or anything like that. So I don't know if we'll see him. Um, Obviously, I'm not at practice every day, so I don't know exactly how he's been performing. But like I said, it's not like Brandon Parker's running away with the starting right tackle job. And if they're not even calling up Fluker to the roster, that probably means it's not great. He's getting up there a little bit in age too, so he might not be what he used to be. And I think his future, the thought around the league is he's trying to play more, or he should be more of a guard um, because he's older and he's also one of those bigger guys that's not quite as mobile, never was the most mobile guy. Uh, So that might be part of the issue. But again, Raiders kind of need some help at right tackle. I think of the two, if either one of them are going to get some playing time or start to play, I would think it would be Fluker. But then again, that might just be because I don't know as much about him, whereas I know or I don't know as much about him this year, I should say, um, compared to a Luminor. So we'll see what happens. But I think uh, for the rest of the year, it's probably going to be Brandon Parker, maybe DJ Fluker if he uh, ends up getting the call up at some point during the season. Number two. Based on what you've seen from the Raiders' line play, offensively and defensively, which side needs more attention on the interior? A little tongue tire there. Well, I think it kind of depends on what you're meaning by attention. Um, If you're talking about the draft, I think it's a little bit interesting because with uh, the Raiders' defensive tackles, I believe all of them are either on the last year of their deal or on a one-year deal. So obviously with no one on the roster, that's going to have to have more attention. And I think they do need to spend probably one of their first two picks at that spot. They could use a guy that is good against uh, the run and and a good pass rusher. Right now they have a collection of guys that are good at one thing and then not so good at the other. Um, You know, Jonathan Hankins is a good run defender, not a pass rusher. Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson are kind of the same player this year, which is ironic because that's not what you thought of Solomon Thomas and from his time in San Francisco. But both guys are really good pass rushers on the interior, just struggle to hold up against the run. So I think the Raiders could use in the draft someone who can do both and kind of be that clog in the middle and help out uh, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe also um, get after the quarterback. But if you're talking about this season, I definitely would think it would be the interior of the offensive line that needs more help or needs more attention uh, as far as bringing somebody in. Obviously, we were talking about DJ Fluker and Illuminor um, previously, but both those guys playing right tackle. But I think um, with the interior of the Raiders line right now, John Simpson, Andre James, and Alex Leatherwood, 
unlike the two guys that I was talking about, the two defensive tackles I was talking about with uh, Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas, and I guess three defense tackles with um, Jonathan Hankins in there, where those guys are at least really good at one thing and then just struggle at the other thing. On the offensive line, those three guys I just named, they're either solid at one thing and then just below average at something else or kind of just below average at both. So that's where I think if you're talking about this season and trying and the Raiders trying to make that push for the playoffs throughout the rest of the year, I think uh, as far as addressing attention or what needs more attention would be the interior of the offensive line. Obviously what that looks like with the trade deadline being passed and all that, I don't know what that attention really looks like, but I would definitely say if we're going spot for spot right now for the Raiders roster rest of the year, the interior of the defensive line is slightly ahead of the interior of the offensive line, so the offensive line could use a little bit more help. Question three, who would win in a free-for-all fight among Silver and Black Pride's staff? Well, me, obviously, but let's break it down real quick. I think you got Bill Williamson, who obviously a little bit older, Wiley Vett, might not quite have the uh, strength and conditioning that he used to have, but going to have some vet tricks, probably know some uh, pressure points and whatnot. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Bill's a scrappy fighter, maybe goes to the groin, so you got to watch out for that too. BD? BD worries me. I feel like BD is going to be my biggest competition because I feel like he's kind of that quieter guy that can just like explode and go crazy on you at one point. And uh, obviously got to look out for that and just rip somebody's head off. Marcus, I'll be honest, I'm not worried about Marcus. Got the glasses, obviously he's a nerd. I know he's got the dreads too, but that's obviously just overcompensating for the glasses. Guy looks like he has never even seen the inside of a weight room. Marcus is the first one out of the fight. Well, we won't even worry about him. I hope he listens to this and hears this for him. But then I think my biggest competition, my biggest, my next threat is going to be Bill. Bill, like I said, he'd be tough because I don't know what you're going to get from him, but I think uh, I'm a little bit stronger at this point and can outlast him a little bit. Then with BD... I think for me, it would just be about trying to turn his uh, his chaos or back around on him. Maybe I can get him to like self-destruct or something. But either way, I like my chances. Call, call me Stone Cold Steve Austin because I'm walking away with the heavyweight title belt. All right, last one. And this isn't a question, but someone signed up for a website called ChinaLoveCupid.com using the email address. And I just felt the need to let that person know that Arthur, Siri, Ju- and Justin have sent you messages and are patiently awaiting a reply. You're welcome. Well, that does it for this week, guys. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download all of our episodes. And hey, if you're out with some friends this weekend, maybe grab their phone and subscribe to the pod for them. I mean, what are friends for if you're not subscribing to podcasts on their phone without them knowing, right? Anyways, follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95. Follow Silver and Black Pride. And until next time, guys.